You are now listening to the Inner Circle Podcast Network. Everybody, buongiorno, buenos dias, ni hao, konnichiwa, bitches. Welcome to Abacabo Cafe Podcast. This is the English language orange road podcast. I am your host, Jason Almy. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining me for today's episode. I want to start with a tremendous shout out, big ups, and thank you from the bottom of my heart to Angel, who is our most recent patron. You guys can join at patreon.com slash team almy and i thank you very much your package will be on the way very soon angel today we're going to talk about kimagure orange road tv episode 27 entitled marked woman maroka kyosuke proving he's a man this episode originally aired on october the 5th of 1987 and it was directed by matsuzono hiroshi matsuzono you should remember directed episode 5 the problematic part-time job Matsuzono also directed episode 10, which is the foreboding dream that Shikaru-chan is going to die. Matsuzono directed another foreboding dream episode. That's episode 14. That's the dream where Kazuga thought Ayukawa was going to break up with him on Tanabata. And uh, most recently, Matsuzono directed episode 20, which is the episode where Shikaru almost smartened up at the tennis camp. She almost realized that she doesn't actually have a chance with Kasuga at all, and she's wasting the years of her youth. Maybe not the best years of her youth, because those probably aren't 14. You know, that's probably more like 16, 17, 18, but even still, she almost smartened up in that episode. The writer of today's episode is Ohashi Yukiyoshi. Ohashi wrote episode 13, which was the uh, super transformation for Shikaru, Ohashi also directed episode 16, which was the UFO episode, and Ohashi wrote OVA 2, Hawaiian Suspense, as well as episode 23, which was the episode where Kasuga dreams about domestic violence. We open this episode with a very stylized scene. It depicts Ayukawa being hit by a giant truck that seemed intent on running her down, kind of a real uh, 
uh, Steven Spielberg duel type of scenario. Like this truck was gunning for her. Also, she gets run over by Optimus Prime, basically. And she checks out of the hospital the same day. I mean, she she got bruised up and down her arm and her leg. She's got to wear bandages like a mummy, like all the way down. They got her wrapped all the way down to her fingertips, which I thought was an interesting uh, artistic choice for this episode. But they don't even, she doesn't even stop the wrapping at her hand. She wraps it all the way down to the fingertips. And I'm a little incredulous that you can get run over by Optimus Prime. That's a big truck, y'all. We're not talking about a, a small little Toyota Tacoma with nothing in the bed. We're talking about a giant freaking truck. It was hauling something too. I think there was like a, I think there was some weight on this truck and it runs her over and no problem. She walks it off practically. I mean, she hobbles it off, but the fact that she survived is kind of incredible. But what we see at the beginning, I think to my, to my point, my point is that this opening scene is clearly not documentary evidence of what happened when Ayukawa was injured, right? We have these stylistic tells that inform us that what we're seeing is probably one of Kasuga's dreamscapes. Stylistically, the mise-en-scene, the sky is, is like this deeply clouded magenta, and the ground is a similar color, and there's this lack of specificity to the surroundings. So it's very dreamlike. It's very consistent with other dreams that Kasuga has had over the course of this series to date. So there's like almost a glow and aura around the truck that hits her too. And Ayuka was colored in these blue tones. And, and that's largely a contrast with that magenta background. Um, and it's also so that the red of her blood on her hand will appear very prominently. We'll see very prominently she's injured. Oh no, she's bleeding at the very beginning of this episode. Kasuga finds out about Ayuko's injury secondhand from his sisters. So it's very likely that this intro sequence was meant to show us how he imagined she was injured, but it didn't show us a documentary of her being injured, right? We would have gotten a much more detailed background where she was when this happened. The dog wasn't present. Uh, this giant truck may not have been the thing that really hit her. She might've gotten hit by, I don't know, a, a bug or something like that, a VW beetle or something, or a guy in a rickshaw. I don't know, but but we do get this very dramatic intro sequence that's very artistically stylized. It's meant to be inside of Kasuga's head, and yet it starts our episode off with like some real gravity. The sense of danger, the sense of foreboding is established. Not that any of us think that Ayuka was going to get killed off in episode 27. Now, Kasuga, to his credit, as soon as he hears that Ayuka was injured, he sets out to visit her. He insists on visiting her alone. Who's to blame him? You don't want to take your sisters along with you to go visit this girl you like. But Kazuya, of course, tells everybody that Kasuga is just thinking about being alone with Ayukawa. So Kazuya's function in these brief appearances is just to reveal the true motivations of these other characters uh, while they're usually attempting to obscure them. He's sort of this force for like blunt honesty here. There's a nice, polite way of saying that you'd like to be alone with Ayukawa just in case sex is on the table. But Kazuya isn't having it. He cuts through the bullshit. It's like the way that young kids often blurt out what they're thinking without any regard to how others might react. They're not thinking about hurting someone's feelings. They just come out with it. In Kazuya's case, he's blurting out what other people are thinking. Not what he's thinking, what other people are thinking. 
without any regard to how the others will react. So he creates this embarrassed tension for the characters whose minds he reads, and the comedy is kind of watching them squirm. Kasago was trying to get around the fact that he wanted to be alone with Ayukua for romantic reasons. Kazi is going to come out and tell him. Now, Kazuya only does this to male characters. He did this to Komatsu and Hata in a previous episode, I think maybe two episodes ago. He only does it to the male characters as they're trying to work this kind of romantic angle on a female character. It's kind of interesting that that he does this. I don't know if it's a like a sense of sexual liberation that they're trying to communicate through this character, like um, we don't need to pretend that we're not interested in sex and romance. We can be honest about what our motivations are. I think it's mostly just to embarrass these characters and watch these characters squirm. And it's interesting that he targets the other male characters with this. He doesn't target the female characters to make them try to squirm. The male characters own a monopoly on squirming in Orange Road, by and large. Now, Shikaru is already there at Ayukawa's. She smacks Kasuga with the door as she opens it when he knocks. So then when he's inside, Kasuga is wearing this cute little Band-Aid on his nose, even as Ayukawa is getting her whole arm wrapped, and she's hanging it in a sling. It's like that consistent theme of Kasuga trying to keep up with Ayukawa. He's trying to meet her where she's at. She's got this advanced level of maturity, and he's trying to seem as if he's on her level so that she'll see him as an equal so that she will uh, not feel impeded to date him. She's always out there ahead of him. He's always kind of behind her. He's a little pathetic in comparison to Ayukawa. I always think of uh, the Spark Colored Kiss episode, that's episode seven, where he goes out drinking with her and he's clearly inexperienced with drinking. He has two of these little drinks and they're barely alcoholic and he's like stumbling all over the place, blacking out and stuff. So in this in this instance, her arm is all fucked up and, and he's just got this little Band-Aid on his little boo-boo. You know, Ayukawa handles Shikaru stealing her flowers quite well, especially given the content towards the end of the episode where the, the story winds up going between Ayukawa and Shikaru. And there are a lot of subversive elements to the series. I've mentioned some of these in the past, like Kasuga Takashi's parental role of authority is often undermined, usually by Kurumi, um, but also notably by the lady wrestler in episode 14, Kasuga's sister's disregard his claims to authority. Kasuga's always trying to boss Kurumi and Manami around, and they don't, they're do not they not having it. They don't ever listen to him. They do what they want. Kazuya puts him on blast when he's trying to act like he wants to go visit Ayukawa solo for any other reason than having a chance to get somewhere with her. And Kazuya's done this to Komatsu and Hata as well previously. Kasuga's attempt at a romantic gesture toward Ayukawa with those flowers ends with the proverbial rug being pulled out from under his feet. And it's usually done for comedy. This is usually an element of the comedy is that the character has a certain intention and that it doesn't go the way he planned and he's subverted from his intention. And in this case, Kasuga had bought some really nice flowers for Ayukawa. And just as he starts to give them to her, she looked like she was really going to appreciate the gesture too. Boom, they get snatched by Shikaru. And that seems like a little bit of foreshadowing for what's to come next in this episode towards the end of the episode we have Ayukawa seeming very dejected by Shikaru's more prominent role in some of the things that Ayukawa is typically involved in. I'll talk more on that when we get to it. 
Kasuga's encounter with some Sukeban gets him thinking that perhaps Ayuko was being vague about her injury because she was bullshitting him. Maybe she wasn't hit at all. She wasn't struck by a car. Maybe she got into some physical altercation with some street punks and she got roughed up a little bit. And now he's really worried about her after this encounter with the Sukeban. Right after the Sukeban scene, we get a dream scene of Kasuga's in which Ayukua faces down an entire Sukeban gang. Now, the artistic qualities of this scene, very similar to the opening scene of this episode with the deep red colors in the background and um, other colors being muted. Everything's shaded in this red tone as if all of the lights are shining red in the scene like a sunset, but on steroids. And there seems to be a reference to Fist of the North Star here, which at the time had been airing on TV for about three years. Fist of the North Star was tremendously popular by this point in the 80s. One of the punk girls clearly has part of her head shaved, and she's got tattoos going across her head, kind of like the Z gang in, in Fist of the North Star, if I'm remembering that correctly. And she's got these very, like, Hakuto no Ken looking weapons. So she's taking things pretty far for a juvenile delinquent in Casca's mind. Obviously, Casca's dream is building this up and it's coloring his dreamscape and, and some of the violent characters of his dreamscape with, with details that he might have gleaned from watching Fist of the North Star on television because it was airing at the time this did. And the background seems very post-apocalyptic as well. It's like Costco watched Fist of the North Star, went to bed, and had this dream. And so if this is a Hokuto no Ken reference, then it seems to support my hypothesis that Orange Road in general, the series, exaggerates the juvenile delinquents of the 80s and contributes to this popular myth of the Sukeban. And there's also some very not subtle at all eroticism to this sequence. So if you didn't know you were inside of Kasuga's dream, you knew now. The moment you see Ayukua's skirt slit open almost all the way to her waist, revealing her full leg and some of her panties, her top is similarly tattered, one sleeve of her school uniform is completely missing, her shoulder is bare, her bra has also been severed and is openly visible, just kind of flopping around. It's not doing a good job covering her up. Ayukawa is overpowered and then restrained with multiple chains. She's actually being chained down. It looks very S&M. Kasuga is held down and is forced to watch as Ayukawa is beaten. And this is all part of Kasuga's nightmare. I'll put that in quotes. Thus, these erotic elements can be seen as additions made by his subconscious. Obvious tells that we're inside of Kasuga's dream. He is simultaneously concerned, deeply worried for Ayukawa's safety from these uh, violent gangs while also being aroused at the prospect of this female violence. And there's obviously something in Kasuga's brain. He really doesn't want Ayuko to be hurt, but at the same time, there's this foreign element of this gang lifestyle but it's also all women and there's something about that that kind of turns him on clearly at least at a subconscious level to color this this dream of his he doesn't know if he should prove he's a man and defend ayukua or if he should run and get the lube judging from the three and a half push-ups that he completes immediately upon waking it seems like he's going to try to protect her from the violence 
The Umau and Ushko appearance in this episode is also very appropriate. This is one of the better appearances, too, because they work it into the theme of the episode quite well. Ushko is a, appearing as a Sukuban herself, and she's assaulting Umau while simultaneously expressing her usual romantic sentiment. Her lines don't change, but her attitude towards Umau as she's reading the lines, as she's delivering the lines, is very different. So there's some contrast between how she's treating Umau and the things that she's saying to Umau. And Umau is reacting the same way Kasuga would. He's completely powerless. He's being kind of a wimp as she just smacks him around. He's just sort of taking it. And this is the episode that reveals that Komatsu and Hata have gotten into cinematography. They've gone from still image portraiture of a very inappropriate kind, possibly without the permission of the subjects, to borrowing the cameras at school so that they can film stuff. They're idiots like usual. But this time, their idiocy is meant to demonstrate that they would not be beneficial allies to Kasuga in the event of a violent confrontation. So if Kasuga gets into a fight, you cannot count on Komatsu or Hata to have your back. They're inept. They're somehow more inept than Kasuga is. They are not standing up to anybody violently. By focusing on Shikaru as their star, this can almost be seen as foreshadowing for her eventual career as a dancer, entertainer, doing uh, the, the musicals, the Broadway stuff. She doesn't seem to mind being the center of attention in a way that would make Ayukua feel uncomfortable if it happened to her. And, and so that has implications both for this episode, towards the end of this episode, as well as the far-flung future for the Orange Road series. I also appreciate the way Komatsu and Hata tease Yusaku, despite his complete willingness and ability to kick their asses. It's mentioned very casually, almost slipped in, that Master is traveling abroad in this episode. He's not just traveling, the man has left Japan. This supports a pet theory that I have. I'm developing, I'm noodling with it. I'm, I, it's not fully baked yet, but I have a pet theory that Master is secretly very wealthy. And he operates Abakabu just to stay busy. It's just a fun thing for him to do. He's an extrovert. He likes mingling with people. And profitability is not a big concern for him. Most of the time, he's okay with the place being relatively empty, the kids drinking all his booze, eating all his food, not paying for half the shit they eat or drink there. And I'm sure he pays Ayuko way too much. I think probably Master's not too concerned about the books there at Abakabu. I don't think he's into any criminal activity. The man smiles too much for a Japanese gangster. He's way too friendly for a Japanese gangster. He's not rough enough, and his voice is not the voice of a Japanese gangster. But it still may be that he was the benefactor of some wealthy relative who passed, or he's got a trust fund or something. Maybe he just got very lucky. I don't know if they've got a, a lottery system there in Japan, but who knows? Maybe he hit it big. He owns some intellectual property. Maybe. He gets royalties. Regardless, I don't think Master has a lot of concerns with money, and clearly some evidence that he's got at least a little bit of cash is that he and his wife have left the country. Who knows what they're doing? Maybe they're attending to business, but I got the feeling they're out there doing something fun. They're checking out California or something like that. Maybe they're in Hawaii themselves. 
Now, amid all of the other characters kind of playing around at Abakabu, Aikua looks rather sullen. Kasuga notices, and his worry is automatically triggered. We get this shot of, of Ayukawa looking down and a cutaway to Kasuga, and he looks over at her, and we cut again to an extreme close-up of Ayukawa's eye as she keeps looking down. We get a little closer to Ayukawa with each cut back to her, and that allows the animators, of course, to, to display her emotions quite clearly to the audience. But then it's also this Kuleshov effect there where, where there's this nonverbal communication via these cuts and without saying anything, we know that Kasuga is deeply worried about Ayukawa's safety. And Yusaku must have felt very flattered that Kasuga is showing him so much attention and calling him strong in this episode as he pushes him into the taxi cab with Ayukawa to go to the hospital. But at the same time, I'm sure he didn't like being sent away by Kasuga either. Nonetheless, he obeys Kasuga here, and I think that maybe if Kasuga took this kind of confident approach towards Yusaku, I, I think that maybe Yusaku would fall in line a little bit because we know he loves Kasuga. I think he would do what Kasuga says. In this episode, Shikaru works at Abakabu for the very first time. That's kind of cool. She's taken over for Ayukawa, who is too injured to work, and yet because Master is away, somebody's got to run the show. And the place gets lit under Shikaru. We have a pan across the restaurant at one point near the climax of the episode. As we're getting towards the climax, we see a pan across the restaurant. It's expository. It's meant to, to show us where we are, but it, it also clearly shows us the conditions of Abakabu. And every seat in the house is full. Every table is packed with people. And so this actually highlights something that Shikaru does better than Ayukawa. Shikaru is far more extroverted. Earlier in the episode, she didn't shy away from the camera when Komatsu and Hata were filming. Quite the opposite, she leaned into it. She was having fun with that attention. She seems to be a little bit more popular with her classmates. They all showed up at Abakabu because they found out she was working there. Whereas Ayukawa kind of scares people, pretty much. Everybody, except maybe Kasuga and Shikaru. The people that know her real well. Master, Kasuga, Shikaru... The twins, they are close enough to know that she's not this scary person, but the people that don't know Ayukawa are very intimidated by her. So people gravitate to Shikaru because she's got this bright, bubbly personality. I mean, it's in her name, but more so than they gravitate towards Ayukawa's personality, as evidenced by how packed Abakabu is in this scene. And then there's the matter of Kasuga and Shikaru's relationship featuring very prominently in the video that Komatsu and Hata made and, and subsequently showed the entire class. And that seemed to make Ayukawa jealous, much more so than Shikaru stealing her flowers. I mean, at least she knew those flowers were for her. Ayukawa seems sullen about these things, almost like she's feeling a little sorry for herself. It seems to be really one of Ayukawa's few indulgences. She sees that Abakabu is so packed and that Shikaru and Kasuga's relationship is seemingly going so swimmingly. They're the cutesy focus of all their classmates. She thinks maybe things would be better off if she didn't come back to Abakabu. Maybe Master would be better off. Maybe he'd be making more money because all the tables would be filled. Maybe Kasuga and Shikaru would be happier too. Maybe things between them would continue to go swimmingly. It's kind of a rare look at Ayukawa because she never seems too upset about things because she's always been the more talented, mature, and smarter 
uh, of her and Shikaru. Shikaru has always been the follower. Ayukawa is the big sister. But we've seen before, like in episode 15, that Ayukawa often feels deeply obligated to Shikaru in a way. Ayukawa being older, smarter, generally more talented, she gives things over to Shikaru because Ayukawa knows she's more capable than Shikaru is. Ayukawa never wants for anything because she can always get what she needs. She can afford to give a four-leaf clover to Shikaru. She's good at finding stuff like that. We saw her give that four-leaf clover over to Shikaru when they were young kids because Shikaru began to cry. There's this sense that Ayukawa didn't really want to give it over to Shikaru, but Shikaru applied sufficient pressure to Ayukawa, and Ayukawa had to decide between giving this thing over to Shikaru that, that she herself found and that she didn't really want to give over to Shikaru or having to deal with Shikaru's feelings being deeply hurt. And so in this episode, we see maybe Ayukua feeling a little bit sorry for herself that she finds herself in that role with Shikaru and her relationship with Shikaru, and maybe also feeling a little resentful towards Shikaru for being able to take things from her, essentially. And, you know, maybe she can find another four-leaf clover. She could probably find another job like Abakabu, but could she find another potential boyfriend like Kasaga? And maybe not. I mean, Ayukawa is very, very picky with the, the guys, and we know that she sees something in, in Kasaga that's pretty rare, at least in her experience. So maybe Ayukawa here feels as if Shikaru is taking over something else from Ayukawa. Ayukawa develops this life, and she has these things, this job, this potential relationship, and Shikaru's role through the show has been to kind of work her way in and take some of these things that Ayukawa sort of discovers, like she did the four-leaf clover. So maybe Ayukawa is feeling sorry for herself here because she feels threatened in her position at Abakabu and uh, and in Kasuga's affections. Kasuga, of course, observes that Ayukawa is feeling this way, and when he goes to meet up with her after she'd left Abakabu, he he also notes to himself in his voiceover that she's being stubborn. And she seems kind of like a kid in that sense. And he seems to really enjoy that shit because she's always the mature one in the relationship. And Shikaru's a little bit of a badass in this one too. I mean, she really steps up. This is a great episode for Shikaru because when she's accused of being Ayukawa, she doesn't deny it. So she's kind of protecting Ayukawa's identity still. Instead of saying, no, 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 you've got the wrong person. I'm Shikaru, I'm not Ayukawa. She would essentially have saved herself a beating, but she would have sent those gang members after Ayukawa again. And so she doesn't deny being Ayukawa, and that's a layer of protection for her friend. She buys her friend some time, and she leaps over the counter and kicks one of the sukeban square in the face, right in the cabeza. That's pretty badass. I got to hand it to her for that. That's smooth to jump over a bar and, as you're landing, kicked his broad in the face. That's pretty awesome. And she ended up taking it for Ayuko. She really got kind of mashed up a little bit in this episode. So there's a lot to love about this episode. I love the idea of these roving packs of delinquent teenage girls, just like cut up lollipops with razor blades. It seems so impractical that these girls just carry around razor blades and chains and stuff like that. I mean, it's not traditional weapons like baseball bats or or like a big knife or a gun or something like that, or like katana or something. They could carry around 
a baseball bat. I mean, they seem so silly. And I mentioned the myth of the Sukeban, and I, I really feel like via shows like Orange Road, the Sukeban really is kind of mythological. I mean, it's not, I have really been very hard pressed to find any evidence that the Sukeban in Japan actually went around doing shit like this, like chaining people up and cutting them with razor blades and beating them up and taking half their clothes off and stuff like that is a little bit of a myth from what I've been able to discover. Like they existed, but here in Orange Road and in other series, they're sort of uh, exaggerated a little bit. Here they're definitely exaggerated and it it adds fun to the episode, in my opinion. I love how Ayukawa is injured She's run over. She got hit by a car, possibly a giant truck named Optimus Prime. She's got crutches. She can't move real fast. I mean, uh, at one point, she's trying to keep up with Casca, and he's getting ahead of her running because she's hobbling. She's on one leg practically. And then as soon as it's time to fight the punks, she's got to beat the shit out of the punks. She's moving like normal. She's right back at it. Just pull the mummy band-aids off the hand, and she just starts punching them with like her bum hand. She's got like a broken fist, and she's still punching all of these punk girls with the fist. I love it. I love how she's all injured until she's not. I also love how this episode is ostensibly about Kasuga proving he's a man, protecting Ayukawa, and then he doesn't. Kyosuke proving he's a man, except he never does. When the delinquent broads come for Ayukawa, they're not even there at Abakabu. Shikaru gets her ass kicked instead. She protected Ayukawa way more than Kasuga did this episode. Kasuga was useless they wind up getting him in the end and he's a total damsel in distress i'm not sure what it says about sex and gender roles in this episode that kasuga is supposed to prove that he's a man by standing up for ayuko and defending her against this threat of violence at various times he's dressed in these silly outfits he's got the catcher's outfit on and a baseball bat and then he's got the kendo outfit on with some armor and uh, the, the shinai. He never does anything with it. But when it comes time to step up and really take some licks on Ayukawa's behalf, it's her best friend, Shikaru, that really stands up for Ayukawa in this episode. So as resentful as Ayukawa may have felt towards Shikaru earlier, when she sees that Shikaru really stepped up for her, she knows this person cares about me. You don't get your ass kicked like that for somebody that you're just kind of using anyway. So that resentment immediately dissipates, and Ayukawa, it balances her feelings out, right? She sees that Shikaru is ready to sacrifice for her. It's not just Ayukawa giving up things to Shikaru. So I think there, there may be some statement on gender here. I mean, it's in the title of the episode, Kyosuke proving he's a man, and he never really does anything. He does, never does anything particularly manly in this episode. He's not even there when it comes time to fight the punks in Abacabo. And the, the little bit of, of violence that he is present for, they just wind up tying a chain around his neck and holding him hostage anyway. He never lifts a finger. And he doesn't get hurt nearly as badly as Shikaru does trying to stand up to these uh, Sukeban. Now, of course, it's Orange Road, so the whole thing has to turn out to be a mistake. The leader asked her dipshit lieutenants to pay back Ayukawa, and they, of course, thought she meant payback in a vengeful sense. I really feel like the gang leader could have given her posse a little bit more context here, like um, payback Ayukawa. You could just as easily say 
please hand Ayukawa this thank you card. Or, take these flowers to Ayukawa and express our remorse that she was injured. It's a joke that's been used elsewhere, like in the Samuel L. Jackson film from 2001 entitled Formula 51. I'm meant to take care of him, not fucking take care of him. Which I haven't actually seen, but it was released some 14 years after this episode, so it's hard for me to say whether this humorous misunderstanding of a gang boss's command being accidentally misinterpreted as an order to perform violence on some victim was original in 1987 at the time of this release, if that's kind of an original joke and it just got tired in the meantime. But it's definitely a little tired these days, at least. Now, Ayukawa telling Shikaru that she didn't want to admit that she saved a dog because it's embarrassing. Meanwhile, Shikaru's face is still like this mashed up pulp is a little insane. I don't know if I'd have the balls to tell Shikaru that I didn't want to tell her that I got injured saving a dog while she's like drinking through a straw in her nose. But let me tell you what's not embarrassing. What's not embarrassing is taking your ass over to patreon.com slash teamalmy this very moment. You can continue to listen to me while you do it. And please sign up for our uh, Patreon. We would very much appreciate if you supported Team Almy Studios. We bring you this fine podcast as well as a couple of others. Shit Happens When You Party Naked, you'll have full and complete access to Shit Happens When You Party Naked. That's a Patreon-exclusive podcast of Team Almy. I'm also going to send everybody merch, everybody that signs up for the Patreon. That includes people living abroad. I sent a package to Pakistan to thank one of our newer patrons over there i don't care if you live in antarctica i will get a carrier pigeon to bring you my appreciation to your precise location also please check out creatures of the night podcast it's a kooky weird but fun conspiracy and paranormal podcast we don't get political don't worry not going to try to get you guys to vote for somebody in specific i just like talking crazy shit with my friends we talk about doing acid on the beach and and aliens and antarctica and stuff so please check out creatures of the night podcast it will keep you entertained on other days that avocado is not published i'll include a link to that in the show notes in the meantime guys i do want to say thank you very much from the bottom of my heart for listening to this episode if you have not yet, please subscribe. Please leave us a rating and review if your app will let you do such a thing. Apple still lets you leave me ratings and reviews. I very much appreciate those. We have new music from Earl Knight today, yet again. He really hooked us up, and we love him. A link to his YouTube is in our show notes, so please go show Earl Knight some love as well. Leave him a couple of comments. Tell him to bring more Orange Road music so that I can put it in my podcast, and I will see you guys next week. Adios.
Thank you.